Trek Companion. This is episode 274. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to finish off Discovery's second season with the final two episodes, Such Sweet Sorrow and Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2. Here we go. Such Sweet Sorrow, Season 2, Episode 13, original release date, April 11th, 2019, directed by Olatunde Osunsanmi, written by Michelle Paradise, Jenny Lumet, and Alex Kurtzman. Guest cast include Michelle Yeoh as Philippa Georgiou, Jane Brooks as Katrina Cornwell, James Frain as Sarek, Yadira Guevara Pripp as Poe, Mia Kirshner as Amanda Grayson, Tig Notaro as Jet Reno, Ethan Peck as Spock, Rebecca Romaine as Una, Sona Sone as Gabrielle Burnham, Alan Van Sprang as Leland, Rachel and Cheryl as Non, Emily Coots as Kayla Detmer, Patrick Kwok Chun as Jen Rice, Oyen Oladejo as Joanne Oshakun, Ronnie Roy Jr. as R.A. Bryce, Sarah Midich as Nilsson, Julianne Grossman as Discovery Computer, Samora Smallwood as Amin, Hanek Talbot as Mon, Shai Valderas as Nicola, and Nicole Dickinson as Colt. <laughs> Discovery rendezvous with Enterprise and begins to evacuate crew to Enterprise. From there, they initiate the self-destruct, but the Spear Data takes control of Discovery systems and prevents this from happening. It also defends itself from torpedoes. Burnham proposes that the Time Crystal be used to take Discovery itself to the future where Control cannot get it. Planning to wear a copy of her mother's suit to lead the ship there, Pike agrees and resumes command of the Enterprise to keep Control distracted. There is a battle coming. The odds are not in our favor. Captain Pike has always had faith that we play a part in some grand design. All of you will face your destinies with bravery and honor. I wish I had his certainty. Nine more enemy vessels just dropped out of warp. Prepare for battle. It's time. We considered uh, discussing these episodes today as two or excuse me, as one episode, but it was a, it was a borderline, borderline decision. We've decided to discuss them separately. Uh, it seems like there's a lot more going on in the second episode today than the first, but we're going to give it a shot to keep them separate. Um, Steve, why don't you kick us off on the part one? They don't officially call part one part one. They just call it, say, Such Sweet Sorrow, and then part two is called Such Sweet Sorrow Part Two. Yeah, some kind of trick or something where maybe you thought you were done, but you're not, you know, and then, <laughs> nope, there's more. Um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, so this is a very long teaser. I made a note of that. Um, it's just like, Oh, are we done yet? No, we're not. We're just getting started. It's, it's, it's more kind of more of the same. I know I I hate to just start negative with things, but we've, we've recently talked about a lot of convoluted plot elements and they kind of like, because it's convoluted, they seem to become aware of it kind of like, uh, you know, control wanting to become self-aware with this control data, uh, they become self-aware of the fact that it's convoluted, so they have to rehash the plot elements early on in the episode to make sure, okay, so if you weren't paying attention, we've got um, um, all of these elements that we need to keep straight, and here we go. And then we, you know, try to move forward from there. So we also added in this bit, which I think this character was from a short trek. I think that we didn't talk about her. They add her in as kind of a, a bonus, um, this one with Tilly and all that. Um, 
but yeah, it, it's it's a lot of setup, and they were they were trying to. I know they were trying to set to have this all be one episode, and clearly, you know, if they really wanted to tell all this stuff to do what they end up doing in forty five minutes, then again, an hour and fifteen, it would have been a lot. Uh, or and so instead of cutting anything, they split it up. Um, but we get uh, to see uh, Sarah and Amanda. And that's always, I mean, I, I, I love the Sarah and the actor playing him. I think that, that's always great. A lot of goodbyes in this one. Some of the goodbyes turns out aren't needed, but uh, some of them are. And that's, that's pretty much it. It's, it's, it's kind of mostly a big setup for the huge finale episode, but on the most part, I feel like it's a, it's a lot of the same with the convoluted plot elements trying to make them coalesce in some fashion. Adam, your first thoughts? I'll start with positives. The you know we I think we've mentioned this several times about discovery and its um, production value is just it's very high. So I mean that much I will give you give the show. It really looks amazing, and I I think what I remember most about going back to this episode is how impressed I was with what they did with the interior of the Enterprise. Not only I mean it's. It, it, it has the same, you know, kind of the same, the same look, feel, and design of the original series show, but kind of like modernized. And it's, yeah, it's, so it's totally different from what J.J. did in, you know, his movies. You know, he kind of completely redesigned the bridge, and it's kind of, it's, it looks the same on the outside, kind of. The, what, they, what they did, they, they did a really great job bringing the, um, the Enterprise Bridge into modern times with their production values here. So that's what I remember most about when I first watched this episode, how impressed I was and how cool I thought it was that what they did with the enterprise. And like I said, the production values of, of this show is really cool. I mean, Brian, you and I were talking about effects movies before, you know, pregame for the show. Like I said, I, I, I'll, I'll give them that. The, the effects oh, yeah, are it's, great. It's the up other, there with a feature. It's, it's yeah, up there it's, with it's, any feature that you would pay in a commercial cinema to see. Absolutely. It's top notch, touch notch. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to start on positive. It's, it's really cool to look at and look at these things and look at the effects for the most part. But I kind of have to agree with Steve. I'm kind of, you know, I think I mentioned this in our last podcast episode. I'm kind of, <laughs> kind of wore out on this. Um, I think the sec- I think I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm still holding true to this that I like this season less than I did the first time. Um, just because, you know, like Steve said, everything's kind of convoluted. It's not really, you know, control. We've mentioned this before. Control's kind. It's kind of this obscure, abstract villain in the show. It's not really all that clear and i know i'm repeating myself about that and then i don't know i mean you, they, they tried to destroy discovery it didn't it didn't really seem believable it's like you know if you really want to destroy a ship you can destroy it i mean just go in there and throw some charges on it or you know or sh- shoot it to hell with them um, with torpedoes and so then we get into you know okay we got to get this whole storyline out of the prime star trek um timeline so let's just throw them 900 years in the future and then that way we don't have to worry about canon we don't have to worry about explaining why this was never heard of in star trek and so they just you know that's the plan they're going to shoot them 900 years into the future and um that's kind of the first half of the episode and the second half is just um them rushing to build this the most this time suit and you know, sending letters to their family. That's the second one, isn't it? The second time suit is the second one, or no? Yeah, they kind of start. Yeah, okay. Like they put all these plans together. They're gonna, you know, refit all these shuttles to do battle, and they're gonna build a time suit, and then they're all gonna write letters to their family and have, you know, more goodbyes that are really long and it's kind of like almost like a like a series ender kind of feel like oh I'm saying goodbye kind of thing. So it did start off. It was funny because it starts off with that whole. 
yeah, like you were talking about. Abandon the ships, they can destroy it. And oh, we can't destroy it. But that was like that that was the whole big bopping ending to the previous episode two weeks ago we discussed. <laughs> this big build up. And then it seems like she kind of changes her mind, but then very quickly, oh no, actually we can't destroy it. I mean it just seems so meandering. <laughs> it's just like Yeah, it's okay. not it's not very it's not very concentrated on what they're Yeah, and it it does feel like there's like thirty minutes of goodbyes in this episode and I remember the first time I saw it, and I felt it this way the second time as well. It's just nutty that all of these people are all are immediately. I mean, I understand it's what it's the, the show needs this to happen, but that the, this crew would all just be. We've all decided to go nine hundred years in the future without the, the the ability to return. Let's go. I mean, it's so. Wait, what? Yeah, this is not some little minor thing. I mean, it, it's this is crazy to me. This is it's bananas. This is not how rational people anywhere ever would be. Yeah, no, we're doing it yeah. for the team. Well, what? Right. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't help this poor situation to have unbelievable actions happen. Things that you cannot understand. I mean, it's like, it, it, you know, like like we've talked a million times about. It, if something is really solid, there are little things you just kind of accept and move on from. But when it's not all you can do is dwell on stuff that doesn't make any sense. And this is certainly one of them. It's like, I mean, there's, there's no reason why this bunch, I mean, there's, why wouldn't, okay. If they really insist on doing this, couldn't they have made it that you, the, the ship needed this number of people to pilot it, or I don't know, something, you know, that makes more sense than, you know, 20 some people or whatever it is, just deciding that they all have nothing to stick around for. And they just, and how did that start? Did one just come to the other one? You know what, you know what we could do? We could just go. We could just go on the ship, even though it doesn't really need us to. We could just go on where there is kind of moral support and right. never see anyone we know again. It's it's preposterous. It's preposterous. Well, well, on top of that, we'll get in this to the. In top of that, they defeated control at the end of the last episode before they yeah, went into we'll the time. So we'll what, was, what was the point of that? Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> I love, I love the bit where Pike winks at Giorgio. Mm-hmm. What mirror universe? Uh, a good wink is very powerful, and Anson Mount has all the charisma. You would need to pull it off, and he, he does so with gusto. I love that little moment. That's that's my favorite bit out of my favorite moment out of uh, either episode we're discussing today. So that's after Giorgio suddenly tells him that she's from the mirror universe. But there's definitely a uniqueness to Discovery that I've kind of found beyond the other series. So, for example, you know, we just we did Voyager not long ago. You know, we'd have a run of like three or four episodes that were just not good. But I think overall, every season, you know, you, we'd have like more episodes that we liked than we didn't like. And I kind of find myself liking fewer episodes in the season than mm. I do that I like. But I'm, what I'm saying about the show is weird. But even while I'm disliking an episode, there are things like I bring this up, Brian, because there are elements in every episode, even the ones that I really dislike, that there are things that I really like. And that's a good example of what you brought up, just the wink that Pike did to something really simple or the production value that we were talking about earlier. So it's a, it's a strange contrast where I'm like, man, I, I really don't ever want to watch this again. But these are some cool things in this show. Like you've talked about, the part that makes it easier to cope with it is just knowing, oh, well, we're going to get Anson Mount just mm-hmm. doing this role, you know, in a whole show. So, but it does seem like frequently uh, squandered resources and wasted opportunities because everything so many things about this show are really great so many things about this show are the best of all star treks i uh, cl- clearly the visual effects work in this show is better than any other star trek ever. combined combine them all yeah. you know it's amazing 
It just doesn't mean a thing if it. It's just that the writing just doesn't. It's the writing doesn't, doesn't. Yeah. Keep up with it. I know if you go to like Rotten Tomatoes or something, it seems to have a high score. But I just I don't actually. I I know very few people that really really love this show. I mean, look, the the Emmys for uh, the Mandalorian got nominated for best show, right? Star Trek, of course, Discovery was not anywhere on those lists. They got their usual tech nominations, like they always do, like they even have all the way back to you know next gen. But there's a reason these other shows are getting nominated and Discovery isn't, and it's not because they hate Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, and it's not because they hate sci-fi. Mandalorian nominated for best show. But yeah, but so for you know, if you look at Man- Mandalorian, has a simple storyline. Very simple storyline, and what Steve was mentioning earlier—that you could tell the entire story of the first season of Mandalorian in a couple of sentences, and it's still a great show. Try to do that with Discovery. Try to try to tell the story of this season in a paragraph. Well, it's because the Mandalorian, Mandalorian in its essence, is character-driven, and it's not that Discovery doesn't have great characters. It does. It's just they're not utilized in good storytelling the stories aren't about those characters the characters are dropped in yeah and that's what's frustrating about watching this is like you have great actors portraying these characters who are doing the best they can but it's just it just doesn't flow at all all right what's this episode about um about saying goodbye to the past and looking towards the future i mean i guess you can kind of i guess you can kind of summarize this as like you know the calm before the the battle and everybody coming to terms with it. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of stretching here. I don't, and, and, and I, and I think that's kind of the fundamental problem that I keep finding over and over with this season in particular. I don't remember running into this problem as many times, even in season one where I'm going, I don't really, what are they, what are they trying to say here? What are they, what kind of story they're trying to tell? So, I mean, I, I, I don't really have a clear sense of what they were trying to say in this episode. There's a lot of goodbyes in this episode. We said that. Yeah. I kind of like the Culber, Stamets yeah, good. scene. Yeah. I, I always like those two. The nice thing about Burnham's goodbye kiss to Tyler is because is that it feels very final. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we may never see them together again. Yeah. Maybe never see him ever again. Well, well every time I see like Kurtzman, even just yesterday, I saw some interview or something. He says, uh, I'm still very hopeful about the Section 31 show. And now, instead of being excited about that, I think... That might be an excuse for them to bring Tyler back. Oh, so. no doubt. Oh, no yeah, doubt. for sure. Uh, Steve, what do you got for what it's about? So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really have anything. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely setting the table for the big grand finale and finality goodbyes, giving all into something. But as usual, there's not, there's not a lot that makes us feel solidly about, you know, a, a moral or what it's what they're trying to say in it. It's just kind of a, a, a plot driven thing. It's just this this episode sets the table for the next episode. That's it, you know, pretty much. And well, see, and Steve, I was also, I was kind of thinking like, you know, because like we keep having a hard time with this every week um, with with Discovery, and it seems more so with the season. And I'm like, well, I even started thinking about what are they trying to say just with the season? Because you know, mm. obviously, this is a modern show. You know, the season kind of is all encapsulated into kind of like one long episode for the most part. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, I don't even know what they were trying to say throughout the whole season. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of hard and convoluted to kind of figure that out. So, but anyway, we'll get to that, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do six, uh, six degrees for such sweet sorrow. Steve, Yadira Guevara Pripp plays Mihani Ikahali Kapo. She first appeared in a short trek episode. Was that short trek, the escape artist runaway, 
or the brightest star. Runway? Yes, sir. Steve has one moving on. Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2, Season 2, Episode 14. Original release date, April 18th, 2019. Directed by Olatunde Osansanmi. Written by Michelle Paradise, Jenny Lumet, and Alex Kurtzman. Guest cast include Michelle Yeoh as Philippa Georgiou, Jane Brooks as Katrina Cornwell, Yadira Guevara Pripp as Poe, Mia Kirshner as Amanda Grayson, Teg Notaro as Jet Reno, Ethan Peck as Spock, Rebecca Romaine as Una, Alan Van Sprang as Leland, Rachel and Cheryl as Nan, Emily Coots as Kayla Detmer, Patrick Kwokchun as Jen Rice, Oyan Oladehu as Joanne Oshkun, Ronnie Rowe Jr. as R.A. Bryce, Sarah Midich as Nilsson, Raven Dauda as Dr. Pollard, Julianne Grossman as Discovery Computer, Saren Darnell Martin as Nurse, Glenn Hetrick as Cabort, Tom Marriott as Council Member, Samora Smallwood as Amon, Hanek Taubat as Man, Kiana Teresa as Doctor, Chai Valardis as Nicola, and Nicole Dickinson as Colt. <laughs> As the Section 31 fleet arrives, Discovery and Enterprise prepare for battle, while the suit and time crystal are finalized. In the suit, Burnham travels to the past and sets the five signals that led them to this point. She then sets a sixth for Discovery to follow as she travels forward over 900 years and promises to send a seventh for Spock when they arrive. The Enterprise crew tells Starfleet that Discovery was destroyed in the battle. Tyler is placed in command of Section 31, and months later, the Enterprise detects the seventh signal as it begins its new adventure. Paul, your injuries are pretty severe. I'm going to induce coma. You'll be fine. Just listen to my voice. You can hear me. I thought I could make my home on Enterprise doing fine. Then I realized that, uh, you're my home. So I came back. Everything. Always came back around to you. Just sorry it took me so long to see it. In the great pantheon of villain dialogue i was thinking of you got like vader i find your lack of faith disturbing maybe joker's why so serious and now we can add leland's incredibly sinister where's my data (laughs) i need the sphere data where's my data it could almost be like a little kid asking for actual data like the commander did where's my data (laughs) i want my data where's my data (laughs) I can't go to sleep without my data. (laughs) (laughs) Adam, start us on this one. So, yeah. So the battle begins. I kind of felt like watching this. It felt like it took like a long time for the battle to begin. Like all the Section 31 ships show up and they're surrounding the Enterprise and Discovery. Like we were talking about earlier, the production value is really cool. It looks neat. Um, You know, you can't complain about that. And, you know, you have everybody on the ship running around trying to get the suit made. And then, you know how are we going to stop Leland and how are we going to defeat these ships? And, you know, I, I know I gave a lot of props to the production value um, in the previous episode. Um, the one complaint I have about in the one complaint I have about production in this episode is um, the actual battle. It just seems kind of ridiculous to me that the enterprise and discovery just are sitting stagnant there while 30 ships surround them. And they're just, trading punches back and forth i don't i I don't really remember ever that ever happening even in the original series um 
and you know, and I'll, and, and I'll still go back to DS9 still has the best space battles of all the, the treks. And I was curious why, you know, like, well, you're spending a lot of money for this to look really cool. Why don't you have like a cool aerial battle flight scene you got enterprise and discovery and it's just kind of stationary it looks like they're throwing snowballs at each other but even with that I, there were a couple of times i when i i kind of lost it I, I didn't have enough of a sense of geography like there was there was too much going on maybe right i couldn't follow it like i I'm like like i don't know which, I, if they pause the screen i couldn't say who's attacking and who i didn't i couldn't tell you who was on what side or anything like that and then and then this armada shows up the klingons and the but, you know, it's, you know, it's like, well, I didn't even know Tyler left the ship to <laughs> come meet up with the Klingons, which I think that would have been a really cool space battle. You have this armada showing up and you, you know, if you obviously this is a very effects driven episode that I kind of feel that fell short because they could have done really something cool. There wasn't a whole lot going on plot wise. I mean, they kind of set all that up in the first episode. It's like, OK, we're building the time suit. We're taking Discovery into the future and that's kind of what they were doing in this episode. Um, I, the other thing that I, I'm sorry, I complain. I'm sorry, audience out there I'm complaining about it, but I'm like the whole thing on the enterprise with the torpedo and the Admiral seemed kind of weird. It's like, okay, this thing's going to blow up and it could blow up the whole ship. But if we just close this door, it'll be fine. It's a really strong <laughs> it's, door. It's a yeah. great door. Uh, the glass door. The just... like, they could have cut all of that out and it would have made no difference on the episode. No, absolutely. Except that Cornwell would, would still be alive. You could have killed her easily in another way without having to go through all the... I, d- I didn't really understand that. It did, yeah. It, it, you know, I was with it up until the point where they're like, oh, they closed the door, and that's... It just was kind of silly. There's lots of um, intensiness in this episode. All the whip cam, the whip pan, the camera, and just pushing through. It goes on and on. There's so much of it. After a while, I kind of... I had to, like... Step like stop looking at the screen for a second. It was just too much. Yeah, you were you were watching it on the big screen behind you there yeah. too. Yeah, it was very lots of intensiveness. That's that's the word for this episode. Uh, Steve, what are your first thoughts? It's kind of yeah, it's kind of exhausting. I mean, it's kind of exhausting watching some of the stuff. And I remember it being that way. I mean, I I, I knew this episode was longer than average, and I and maybe not kind of not, not look forward to it. You know, I mean, I didn't. I, I liked it better than the than the one we talked about a moment ago in the first part and so on because at least you know there's some kind of pacing and it feels like okay it's one of these kind of action shows that there's not a lot of there going on besides action but even so you've got a whole lot of action that's a little that like we, we were talking it's 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 hard to follow sometimes and it feels unnecessary I mean you know at some point like the little the little train ride with uh, you know Burnham going through the you know, and surrounded by a bunch and then doing this kind of stuff. It's just, it's just, it's just nuts, you know, and all these, like, I don't know, a million ships on the screen. It's kind of like some kind of challenge, like how many can we get on the screen at once and do this thing, but it's not particularly compelling. And, and like we talked about you, um, this is stuff you focus on when you don't have anything else to focus on. It's kind of, you live and die by this stuff. If you're going to like, if you're going to like do say, Hey, we're going to have the, you know, so much production value and best effects, then that's it. Then, I mean, you know, if, if you don't have any story, if you don't have any character, then every little nuance thing that doesn't feel right or make sense is what we're going to talk about. And that's why, that's why we talk about um, a bomb that, uh, you know, a closet door blocks from destroying the ship or whatever, or um, um, these ships just sitting there while yeah. all this stuff goes back and forth. It's just, it's just gone and on and on, you know? The story is, is shallow. All the character stuff is very shallow. If you had taken today's part one and part two put them together 
and cut out a third of it, then I think you can get by with with less depth and just cool effects and stuff a, a lot a lot more effectively. We had way too much time here to get bored and to see what felt like the same shot of the camera rushing through the room as somebody ran in mm-hmm. and then cutting to the outside of an ungodly number of little ships with little explosions that all didn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. It looked amazing. Looked amazing, but yeah. Well, because I mean, I think as mentioned, sir. I mean, Control's not a very compelling villain. I mean, it's it's Leland who they kind of set up on the first half. <laughs> it's Leland that they set up on the first half. I thought about how his name is kind of you know, probably like half our audience is named Leland now. It's like, what are you saying about my name? You know, <laughs> somebody in the writers' room in the back should have been like raised their hands. <laughs> um, just it it. Um, it's just Leland. Yeah. <laughs> Someone said it's pronounced Leland or something. It was disappointing. They set him up as a kind of like a badass, you know, that he could take over bodies and ships. I'm like, why wouldn't you take over, start taking over bodies? And you know, that's that's the one thing that I can didn't understand about this. I'm like, control seems pretty formidable as is without this. Then it that comes down to him having a fist fight in engineering. I every yeah. t- I, I, I had this thought on previous episodes, but I really had it here. It's like. He's this incredible, you know, AI and all, uh, and it just comes out to him, to him fighting physically, just fisticuffs. Yeah. It doesn't, I don't get it. It's, it's kind of dumb. In the, in the, in the room that rotates while the, the gravity went oh, out. God. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I would have cut out the, all the torpedo stuff. I would have cut out all of that rotating room thing. Um, the one positive, I did enjoy the, you know, Spock and um, Burnham's kind of goodbye. You know, this is the last piece of advice I'll give you. That was touching, and it and it made a lot of sense in the in the realm of Star Trek and and the character Spock. Yeah. So that was that was I probably like that. to me that was the best part of the episode. Right. Also from that sequence, uh, just her jumping back and actually doing all the signals and seeing the little bits from the other episodes. I thought that actually kind of worked. It kind of made me think. Cold out. Maybe yeah. we could have just watched this episode and not the rest of the season. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that that kind of worked. You know, that was that was satisfying. I like. And even that, they break up. It's like they yeah. they, they, they said, nope, people aren't going to have attention span for that. So let's go back to the closet that has the magic door that'll block the bomb from going off or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they can't they can't keep a yeah. To me, this feels kind of like an arrow that they tried to clean up at the very end of the episode. So obviously, Leland is defeated before Discovery goes through the. You know the the time portal. So why go through? The, I wrote that note down too. Like all the, and they they even even in the, the all the ships that they were fighting like powered down. They were like so you know, why go into like, the future because of this of a fear that some other AI must come forward to want the sphere data. That's and that's also Tyler's magical reason for staying, which actually I would have liked it better if he if he'd brought. Um, burn him aside and said, and she said, "You're not, you're not going, are you?" And he's like, "Of course not. This is crazy. I'm not going to go 900 years into the future." Are you insane? You're all nuts. If he'd said that, that had been his reason instead of, "No, somebody has to stay and make sure that another AI doesn't try to get something." Uh, what? But the sphere. I don't know. Yeah, like, 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 why can't an AI come? Why can't an AI be sitting 930 years in the future and do the same thing? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it, it, there's nowhere to go. I mean, you know, if you look at it that way, like, well, something could happen. Well, something could happen then in the future, too. This is stupid. 
And I didn't. Why did they lie at the end about Discovery being destroyed? I did. What was I didn't understand? Well, why they had it. to. They wanted. To, they went overboard with this whole erasing it and why did no one ever talk about it and this kind of stuff too. Which I can't buy for the same reason that I don't buy conspiracy theories is that people can't keep secrets. Certainly yeah. not dozens and dozens and hundreds and hundreds of people can't keep secrets over it's decades monsters. and decades yeah. and decades. No way. Yeah. And it was, and to be honest, it was a little bit out of character for Spock at this particular stage in his life too to be like that blatant lie hmm. you would exaggerate like well i don't really you know that there was a flash of light and the ship was gone that's all you know i mean yeah in, in fact it's one of those things that they just I, I think it's a bad choice i think it'd been better if they would have been more subtle about it you know if they'd have been we can i mean you can kind of make that leap and accept that if you have to put a top secret stamp on some kind of project or certain situation because of a thing and just kind of like, well, you know what, we can't really address this versus let's talk about it for five minutes with this big convoluted interview sequence. And that makes you think about, wow, this is a bit overboard. There's no way you could get this many people to never speak at all. Yeah. And there was no, there was no reason for it. All they had to do is, you know, they're talking to Starfleet intelligence. This is what happened. And Starfleet goes, okay, you're not going to ever speak about this to anybody again. You're on our orders. And then they kind of did the reverse right. where they all lied. And then Spock likes, Oh, we should never, none of it. We should all be ordered not to talk about this. And then, so, so based on the suggestions of a Lieutenant, they say, yeah, that is a good idea. Let's order hundreds of people not to do this. And some, yeah, I don't know. It's, well, they said, they said, we'll take it under consideration. They don't even right. say they're going to order it. So it's like, why did you go through all of this? If it's, it's just weird. It was a weird choice. And and then wrapping in the whole the, the the spore drive into that too, it's like, so we're never going to have another ship with a spore drive, and because if you had one, maybe you'll find sphere data, and then an AI will. I I don't what I mean. I feel like I missed something there, but I did enjoy that they ended the episode on the Enterprise. They kind of just you know they left Discovery hanging out there for season three for us to wait on. But I mean, it was kind of nice. You know, we see Spock in his full uniform, shaved and. You know, he looks good and Bridge looks good and they kind of, it's kind of, kind of old timey feel, you know, from original series or the movies. It's like, you know, second start of the right type thing. Well, definitely it seemed like they were making an homage to the first shot of the, of the cage and how the camera would flew into the dome and here it, it kind of starts on Pike inside and flies out of the dome. I didn't, I didn't say this last time, but I think part of the problem with these two episodes, it doesn't doesn't really focus on any of our main characters. I mean, you know, we're what are we? We're talking about Spock and Pike and you know other characters. We're not really they're not really talking about Burnham or Saru or you know Tilly. You know, we did get some good stuff with um, um, Stamets in the last episode, and we get a little bit more on this. But I mean, there's not really. I don't think there's really a lot for our main characters of this show in these two episodes. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like the characters. It's not like there's nothing good about the characters to talk about, you know, because we do have good characters, and we have had ha- we've had, you know, good episodes and good character moments for the main cast. It's just more often than not they don't do that, and that's gone on all throughout this. You know, back in the, you know, the like Jason Isaac's character in the first one, you know, they always knew that he would just be in the first season yet. He's one of the most interesting characters. And so it is just these, they, they tend to make, you want to see more of the ancillary characters than you want to see the main characters. And it's not because they're awful characters. It's just because they just don't, they don't focus. They don't concentrate on them and realize, you know, we, these are supposed to be the main cast for the long haul. You know, we should continue on that. And so we just, it's like a, it's almost like a rare treat to see like, Oh, that's a good character moment for an actual main cast member or something. And it, and it says something that in the shorts, we get more character development out of the shorts, you know, with Tilly and this, the 
queen that's in this episode mm-hmm. and you know and saru going back to his home world and mm-hmm. i'm like yeah. that's great we have these shorts it's really cool i like watching them but i'm like those probably would have been better served actually being in prime episodes than than being you know just kind of side stories can i ask a dumb question what's all the debris on the floor of the bridge when they have their big battle and there's all that stuff on the ground because i don't see like pieces missing from the walls i'm trying to figure out what that is asbestos from the ceiling or something i don't know what something, uh, something they stuff the uh... That they might have had a garden in the corner, the you know, like a community garden on the side of the bridge, and it just kind of got thrown. Oh, it got thrown around. The, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, I get that. I'm, that's cool. <laughs> I laughed out loud when Giorgio said to Leland, "Everybody hates you. Congratulations." Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's because she's great. She, uh, Michelle yeah. Yeoh's great. I didn't laugh out loud when um, the security chief said, "Yum yum." Yeah, what the heck was that? Weird. I felt I felt kind of uncomfortable with that. Yeah, laugh. it was something. I don't know. <laughs> it was weird. Well, it goes back to what you were talking about, Brian. You know, they have this, you know, they set up this super AI machine that's a, you know, total, you know, killing machine. And then you have this kind of awkward meeting with them in the, you know, whatever the the science ready room on the Bridge of Discovery. All right. What's this episode about? This episode is about getting Discovery out of Kirk and Spock's timeline and taking it someplace else so they can do whatever they want. And um, they kind of do that in the next season, and we'll get there. But I guess you could kind of go in. It's like you know, nothing lasts forever. You know, you 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 know, not all relationships last forever. You know, you have to say goodbye. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really know what I got. It would just be a stretch. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of these, there's a lot of things we could talk about. What could have it been about? You know, if they had focused on one thing. I mean, certainly there's this element of uh, self-sacrifice and giving up you know what the now for a potential future and this kind of thing or you know you know it's it's a very there there are a lot of there's a lot of potential poignant moments they just don't take the time to focus on them you know we have the goodbyes in the last one here we have the we're we're moving on you know and there's also there's a sacrifice too for those who stay behind i mean if indeed you can really imagine a situation where you have a a child and you can not only if you lost them, you can never speak about it again to anyone ever or anything about them. You know, these kinds of ideas, it would it, that's it's very compelling if you would have focused on these kinds of things and talked about it more. And so that's why we can't really say it's about that. It's just these are kind of ideas floating out there that make you think a little bit in the whole scheme. But I think it's just too much going on to say it, that any of these things are what it's about. You know, Burnham's little, you know, little speech to Spock there at the end, you know, you have to reach out to those who are different than you. You have to embrace the difference. Right. And you have to let people in. You know, if they could have stretched that theme out somewhere yeah. in the episode, those would have been, you know, very, very Star Trek themes, um, mm-hmm. very, very good for the characters. Kind of, you know, you have to step outside yourself. You have to step outside the box. You have to step outside your comfort zone to, to grow and um, become, you know, the, the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'll say what this is about because you know that that little monologue there that she gave to Spock was was excellent. So I'll go with that. All right, six degrees for such sweet sorrow, part two. Adam, yes. Hannah Spear plays Serana. She previously ple- appeared in a short with her bro, Saru. Was that sh- short trek called "The Escape Artist, Runaway, or The Brightest Star"? The brightest star. Yes, it was. You guys tied it for the day. Yay. Uh, so we, I feel like we all said 
we remembered liking season two more than season one. I feel like I liked it more the first time I saw it. I still think I probably liked it more than season one. But overall, I feel like I want to say that I did not like Star Trek Discovery season two, which is a weird thing for me to say. But overall, for all the reasons we've discussed, especially these last few episodes, I feel like I remember at the end of season one, music to make the sanest man go mad. The time travel bouncy thing with the mud. That was the one we all kind of said, hey, it feels like Star Trek. I like it. This season, there was that early on episode where, uh, I don't remember the name of it, where they go to that planet, uh, you know, with mm-hmm. the settlers, and, yep. which is apparently the planet they go to in the future. I guess I'd forgotten that part. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we all said, hey, that felt like Star Trek. Pike's down there on the way team, and I like it. And that kind of was, and again, just like season one, there was really just the one episode that I that I kind of put all my hopes <laughs> into, that, that I kind of enjoyed in the way that I that I want to enjoy Star Trek. I think season two suffered the same same problems as season one. I, you know, you know, you kind of had a solid start, kind of, maybe not so much. I think we we had a, a fairly solid start in season two. I think I think it was stronger than season season one start, maybe through like the first five episodes or so. I wouldn't say I was in love with every episode. I mean, that episode you're referring to, that was what, like the third or fourth episode? Mm-hmm, it was early. We, and there were there were others that I know that we talked about, like, oh, yeah, we kind of like this. You know, we had positive things to say. And then it just kind of went off the rails. And yeah. it was probably the, that episode where, where Pike and Tyler had to do a shuttle mission together. <laughs> And control and control got in in there and then you know like i said it's the same problem in season one you know it's it got all crazy convoluted you know they went to the you know the mirror universe and they didn't deal with their main plot of the season which was the klingon war and this is this one's kind of the same it's kind of like they yeah. they just threw in in the middle of the season they threw in this ridiculous villain control that they did hardly nothing to explain or give it depth yeah yeah it's just Leland. <laughs> But, I, you know, if I try to step back and not, I, I mean, it feels like they were trying to, for among other things, fill in some of um, Burnham's backstory, like with her, with her parents. Sure. And, you know, I, I appreciate that. I didn't, I didn't find any of it satisfactory. I, I didn't like it, but I like that they, I like the idea of wanting to, to attempt to do something there. It just it didn't work for me, but yeah, I mean the stuff on Vulcan with her and Spock early on that was that's cool stuff. Oh, as kids, the flashbacky stuff. Yeah, the flashbacky stuff. Yeah, that stuff is cool. Um, the things with Sarek, you know, like I said, and for those who are listening out there, I'm like, I I hate that we're kind of bashing on it as much as we are, but I think it's if you, I think we're all frustrated because there's so much more. I think there was so much more here to do and say, and it's so much potential. Yeah, potential that just fell to the wayside and i mean it feels like it feels like every other star trek before this one had certain limitations that this one doesn't have it feels like this is the first show i'm sure of course it's not true it of course they have a budget but this feels like the first star trek ever that effectively had a sky's the limit budget do whatever you can possibly imagine and we've never had that before on any other star trek television show ever maybe an animated show but that's you know that's not really what i'm talking about and it just was squandered for me steve you look like you really want to say something well i i just what i don't understand is 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 the um 
is is what's kind of in common with seasons one and two is that they almost it's like almost like they run out of steam. It, it feels like a situation where that we know is not the case, and that is with with all the other shows. You know, you had to get twenty some episodes in a season. They were working like when when they were doing it, they were working like weekly. You know, like in less than a week, you had to turn around a story, put it together, do this kind of thing. And they still had better percentages in some of those seasons in terms of what we feel are quality writing than what we're having here. It's almost like they're getting in their own way. You know, when they when they have, I feel like the episodes that so far have been the best in Discovery are ones that they say, okay, so here's, uh, you know, the beginning and the end have to advance to this because of what the season we have in front of us. And so they have to move the story along. But the rest, let's just let the characters go and let's let it tell a small story or whatever those are always the best ones you know and so it's almost like they just i i don't i don't know if there's is it that there's no one there that that sees these things that that understands what's going on that, that there's just too much you're making too much plotty plot 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 driven plot plot to get from a to b and just make it way simpler and 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 tell more about the stories. Have, instead of having a goal of let's tell the uh, the history of mankind, let's instead tell the story of this character and this character and why they have this particular element between them or something. That's it. You know, it, it's, it's you think about the original series. Galaxy was only <laughs> was only in jeopardy in the movies, really. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, the show was just showing us what was going on in this one yeah. small the enterprise. It's one small area of the cosmos because you have nowhere to go with that. If you if you, you can't top that time after time after time, so forget it. Instead, just tell stories. Tell stories about your characters. Make that compelling. They're gonna try in season three, Steve. When we get into season three, I maybe I'll like season three more than I did the first time. After finishing season three, I kind of felt like I liked it less than season two, but maybe I'll feel differently after this second time. But I think that the main problem with this show is. What is it about? I mean, what are they trying? I mean, you know, every other Star Trek series, even the the weaker ones, if you want to say Voyager or Enterprise, they had a theme of what they were trying to do. You know, um, Voyager, it was um, putting a crew in an extreme, extreme conditions on the far side of the galaxy trying to get home. And that was the theme of the show. Next Gen was kind of a, a, a you know, a piggyback onto the onto the original series. But it was it had its own arc, you know, with um, human not only exploration of space, but um, internal exploration. You know, DS9 was like um, a a political geopolitical conflict that, you know, kind of mirrored what was going on 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 Earth. I don't know what Discovery is. I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't know what kind of show they're trying to say or be. And um, I don't even know that after season three, <laughs> you know, that it feels like, you know, maybe at the end of season three, I'm like, okay, maybe it kind of feels like this show's about to start. We'll get there. But I think that's the main problem with the show. It's like, what, what is the show? What are you, what, how are you trying to define yourself in not only as a uh, independent show, but a show that's part of the Star Trek family. And I, I, you know, we we've talked about it before. It's like they try to so they've tried to jump the shark every season, um, and they do it again in season three. It's like how 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 perilous can we make things for not only the crew on the ship but everybody in the universe? And we're going to have them save the day. It's almost like they become a superhero, and that's not what Star Trek is. It's not it's not a comic book. It's not a superhero story. Yeah, that's what. Um, and that's, I think that's where I get frustrated with Discovery. It's like, I don't know what the show's about or what they're trying to be or say. And you don't feel like the people making the show do either. They, they're just playing with shiny stuff and it's fun. Yeah. 
like I mean, like I said, there was a point to Enterprise. It was showing, you know, and I don't have to go over there. They're showing the beginnings of Starfleet and and human exploration beyond our own solar system, and that was the point of the show. I, I mean, that's what, what they—that's what they were trying to do, and <laughs> and. and if they were not successful, but I, I agree that they, that's the idea that they had. And I agree with you that I don't even know what the idea here with discovery is, even if they're failing at whatever that idea is, I don't know what it is. Right. And yeah, I agree too. I'm sorry, listeners. I haven't looked at our numbers recently, but I wouldn't be surprised if we've, <laughs> if we've lost some listeners because over the years, they've all said the, the one consistent thing I always heard was that they like people like listening to us because we were, positive always positive and we all we actually like star trek i heard that more than once you actually like star trek which was funny i mean i think it was supposed to be funny it's like all these other people that do podcasts or something and don't seem to like it but that's who we are now because we're talking about and we we still love star trek and i'm we're frustrated because it's like to sports analogy your favorite sports team like the kansas city royals say they have a team full of superstars and they're all underperforming you're frustrated because it's like you know this could be better and it's not all right well i'm uh still beyond myself with ex- uh, beside myself with excitement to <laughs> watch the new 4k transfers of star trek the first four star mm-hmm. trek movies so i got that going maybe maybe season three is gonna do it for us maybe we're all gonna enjoy it more than, than we remember yes i hope so we're gonna be back in two weeks to kick off discovery's third season and we hope, listeners, dear listener, you will stick stick with us. We'll get through it together. With love and grace. And yeah. So until next time, you can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash trekcompanion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. And our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. Stefan, I passed it.